Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, about 13 minutes each day, getting us into God's Word and helping us to stay strong in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But also it helps keep us focused on our relationship with God, upon our soul's salvation, upon our spiritual life, and how important that is for us. Would that everybody in in the world would learn that lesson that we need to guide our lives by the spiritual teachings that we read from God's Word. That's what God says. Well, share these short studies with everybody you can every day. Help them turn their life around. Help somebody get to heaven. Share with your friends, your family members, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. You may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them and for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We are far along in our study talking about God says, but I think, well, again, a whole lot of people, they change what God says what God commands through his word with what they think or with what they want. And we've seen that principle is condemned in Scripture. Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, very succinctly put, says you don't add anything to God's word, you don't take anything from God's word. Upon the danger of being eternally condemned. You see, once you change God's word, that's not God's word anymore. That's your word. And you're not God. You don't have the authority to change his word. But people say, well, well, I think we need to bring it up to date. We need to make it more relevant. God's word is just as relevant today as it was the day it was written. And all those days it was written over all that period of time. Well, we've made some specific applications. So God's word says, and so again, when we read the scriptures, when we read the Bible, that's God speaking to us. That's how he says. You know, people say, well, I, I had this feeling come over me. I, I get all kinds of feelings coming over me. Some of them are yeah, good. Some of them are not very good. God speaks to you through his word. Well, God, I heard God tell me, really? Why did he tell you something that contradicts what his word says? I don't think you need to listen to that particular voice. If it contradicts what the Bible says, that's not God's word. God speaks through his word. So we've made some applications. God's word says there is one true church. Jesus said he came to establish his church not denominations, not denominationalism, Matthew 16 and verse 8. And the Apostle Paul says there, the church is the body of Christ in Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23. And in chapter 4 and verse 4, he says there is one body. Now that flies in the face of denominationalism, which has split the loose reference to Christianity into all kinds of different churches teaching different things, practicing different things, and believing different things doctrinally. That's not what Jesus came to establish as his church. God's word says that we're to worship him in, in specific ways as the church, as individual Christians. But people, they want to change that to fit their own desires. 
Well, we need to stay true to what God's Word says. We are to come together as the church on the first day of the week, every week having a first day, in order to partake of the Lord's Supper, to break bread, Acts 20 and verse 7. Also, in order to worship God through giving back to him in worship from the material blessings that he has blessed us with in the first place. We are to worship him in song, the fruit of our lips, praising him and glorifying him through the words of the song, but not, there's no indication anywhere in the New Testament scriptures. There's no reference, no, no example of the early church having a choir or using instrumental music. But the scriptures, rather, in Ephesians 5 and verse 19 and Colossians 3 and verse 16 says that we are to teach one another, we are to speak to one another, we are to admonish one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts, making melody in our hearts, not upon some mechanical instrument of music. But again, most churches, most denominations, well, they've changed it to suit themselves. But that's not what God says. God's word also says that baptism is by immersion. It is a burial in the water. Romans 6 and verse 4, Colossians 2 and verse 12, buried with him in baptism. But you have churches that they teach, well, you know, sprinkling is okay. Pouring some water over somebody's head is okay. Maybe even dipping somebody's finger in some water and rubbing it on somebody's forehead and calling that baptism. That ought to be okay. That's not God's word. The very word means, in the Greek, and it was originally written in Greek, means immerse, submerge, plunge, dip, bury. And so it's not surprising that you read in Romans 6 and verse 4 that we're buried with him in baptism. Or in Colossians 2 and verse 12, that we're buried with him in baptism. Well, God says, I must be baptized in order to be forgiven and saved. But most churches say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Well, you're replacing what God says with what you want it to say or what you think it should say. The scriptures are clear in baptism. In fact, there is hardly any more clear point of Christian doctrine laid out for us in the New Testament than baptism. Just read all the verses Put out of your mind what your preacher has told you, or maybe even what your mom and daddy told you, because they've, they've gone along with what the preacher told them before you, and just read the verses of Scripture in the New Testament, all of them that talk about baptism. In Acts 2 and verse 38, in response to some of the Jews on Pentecost asking Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? Peter had just preached the gospel of Christ to them told them, you've rejected, you've crucified the Son of God, your Savior, your Lord. And so they said, what shall we do? Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And Peter responded and said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Jesus sent a Christian man named Ananias to teach Saul of Tarsus the gospel. He came to Saul and he said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 22 and verse 16. So you see, God's word clearly says that 
Baptism is the point at which we come into forgiveness of our sins. Jesus told the apostles as he was ready to ascend back to heaven, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21 says, directly, succinctly, sweet and simple, baptism doth also now save us. That's the King James Version. Well, you're just picking out a version that you liked. You might say, it it doesn't say that in other versions. Oh, yes, it does. It also says that in the New King James Version, in the American Standard Version, the English Standard Version, the New International Version, the Revised Standard Version, the New Living Translation, I just stopped there. I'm sure we could go on and on and on and on and on. Different translations, different versions. See, that's what it says. But a whole lot of people say, well, no, you, you don't have to be baptized because they'll even call baptism a work. <laughs> The one act of obedience wherein the one becoming obedient is absolutely passive, allowing himself to be plunged beneath the waters and then raised up, and they'll call that, somehow that's his work. Absolutely backwards in rational analysis. He's completely passive. In Galatians, uh, rather in Romans chapter 3, uh, chapter 6 and verse 3, again, the Apostle Paul talks about baptism in this very pivotal change of life through obedience. He says, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, do we need to be in Christ to be saved? Absolutely. How do we get into Christ? Baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. And then when we look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, we read the same thing. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How do we get into Christ again? Baptized into Christ. And do you realize those are the only two verses of Scripture in the entire New Testament that have the phrase into Christ preceded by the means of getting into Christ? And in both cases, that word is baptized into Christ. And so some people might say, well, you've got your baptism, we've got our baptism. Well, let's come back to that list of seven basic, basic Christian doctrines that the apostle laid out in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, uh, verse 4 says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith. We would all agree on all of that, right? One baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's not many baptisms. There's not two or three different baptisms. There is one baptism, and that is by immersion for the purpose of coming into Christ as our sins are forgiven, as we are buried with him in those waters of baptism, completely covered up, immersed. We're reborn spiritually. We come up, made new, reborn, forgiven, redeemed saved, 
That's the one baptism taught in the New Testament scriptures. When we start changing it, that's no longer God's word. That's our word. One baptism. We're going to finish this study next time. I hope it's striking a chord with you in a positive way. I hope where it needs to that it's motivating you to think about what you have always believed and how you have understood that you need to worship God, how you need to come to salvation before him through Christ, what the church is supposed to look like and what it's supposed to believe and teach and practice. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to open our eyes and open our hearts to what you say through your word and to not try to change it, not try to dress it up, but to simply accept it and live by it and obey it to your glory and to our salvation. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.